0: Welcome to the ASCD Connect podcast, supporting you on your journey as a
1: life-changing educator. Here's your host for today's program.
0: So much of a student's literacy development is shaped by their experiences at home. But is there more educators could be doing to bring those rich experiences into the classroom? Our guest today, Naval Karuni, says absolutely. Naval is a literacy coach, educator, and writer. She's the founder of NQC Literacy, an organization that supports pre-K-8 to eight teachers and leaders in a holistic approach to literacy instruction. I'm Sarah McKibben, ASCD's Director of Digital and Editorial Content, and I'm happy to be joined today by Naval Karuni to talk about how to engage parents in a more meaningful way this school year. Welcome to our program, Naval.
1: Oh, Thank you so much for having me. What a gorgeous introduction.
0: <laughs> so... You know, in your article in this month's issue of Educational Leadership, you detail your experience growing up as a daughter of first-generation immigrants from Iran. How did your upbringing shape the way you experienced language and story?
1: I love that question because when I introduce myself, um, I tend now to do this text journey, this literacy journey. And I put all these images and video and kind of sound bites um, of places and people and food all that kind of carried story for me and carried language and literacy for me because it was not books. Um, and I mostly learned language by listening to my family members speak in Farsi and Arabic um, in an intergenerational kind of like multi-generational household. And so I think about that all the time in the schools where we coach and in the schools where I spend time. Um, that we just want to kind of embrace all of that for our, for our students as well. Because it could look a lot of different ways. I learned how to speak Farsi before I learned how to, you know, speak English. So here we go.
0: You said your elementary teachers missed something. That they failed to connect what was happening in your home around literacy with what you were learning in the classroom. In an ideal world, what would they have done differently?
1: So I think about um, how my teachers may have expected a family that was highly literate to look and maybe they didn't imagine that my family, with their kind of multi-language use, you know, my family toggles between many languages at once, lots of tramp languishing happening in my household. You know, we didn't have, you know, our, our bookshelves were not full. And my parents, my dad franchised Domino's pizza stores, my mom was an interior designer and she characterizes her own English as broken English. Maybe my teachers didn't recognize them as really strong literacy partners, right? But what they did was actually shape my language and literacy far more, I think, than any rote fill in the blank kind of activity that I was doing um, in those classrooms. And so I I just, I think what we can do in general as educators um, is to value whatever rich language practices are happening regardless of kind of um, formal education and experience when it comes to formal um, American schools, right?
0: You know, so, so why do you think it's important for educators to connect literacy efforts to students' home life? Like, What are the developmental benefits of this?
1: Okay, so typically, I think when we think about homeschool partnerships, we think about how educators can tell parents how to better support their kids. But what if we turned it around and we thought more that the kids are coming with really valuable, amazing literacy experiences? We have kids with incredible emotional literacy. They can read. They can read their grandmother's faces. They can, you know, they read text, as in multimodal text, far more readily than we than we um, sometimes anticipate. And so, what if we thought of it more as a they're doing incredible literacy work already? Families are. How can we elevate that in the classroom? How can we like springboard their learning from something awesome that they're already doing? For example, learning in the kitchen, picking up ritual and family tradition and, and you know, all the, all the a kid think about all the kid is learning when they're observing their family members in the kitchen, prepare a meal. They're learning how to be human, which is like the heart of literacy. And so I think if we think of it as families are already doing really amazing, authentic literacy work, with their kids without realizing it, then we would be uh, starting from a position of strength.
0: All right. So, you know, it's easy to talk about taking a strengths-based approach to parent engagement, uh, but can you identify specific actions teachers and leaders can take to draw on families' assets and, you know, maybe especially families who
1: might be hard to reach or seem uninterested? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we're we're at a, a great time and a great place. And so at the beginning of the year, of course, looking across the year at your curriculum, looking across the year at the content that you're going to be covering and thinking of places where your families might be able to contribute, whether that's bringing in a family member, whether that's an expertise of a family member, whether that's um, some kind of partner work between uh, the student and the family that includes questions and and conversation, um, every like opportunity that we can to engage families in the curriculum and the actual content by looking at the calendar across the year is an added benefit. But when I was doing this, this kind of planning and thinking work for the city of Chicago and family engagement programming in general seems to run the gamut from school to school, from like one-off literacy events to cooking classes to um, you know kind of community outings what I think was the the underlying thread was how can we be more intentional to connect the dots across the calendar year? So that when we start at the beginning of the year, how can we look and say like, is there a monthly opportunity for families to not only understand the content or the curriculum and something connected to what their kid is learning, but also to just engage in language and storytelling and joyful kind of literacy experiences. So across your calendar, you might look and see if there are multiple places and times, I, I kept calling it around reach, what are all the ways that we can reach families, you know, from events to to curricular to like to coming into classrooms to um, there's a whole long list of ways.
0: No, that's really interesting. Do you think that the pandemic has changed the way teachers view parents and caregivers, you know, particularly at the elementary level?
1: I think that during the pandemic, we as educators and then as a mother of four, we as caregivers recognize um, and became more deeply grateful for both of our roles. And I think we sometimes don't realize that we're working towards the same goal of growing our students in all literacy practices. And I think because literacy practice and literacy education has changed from the time that we were maybe in the classroom as caregivers. Um, We just need to be more communicative of the things that we believe in as literacy teachers and our deep belief that families are already doing so much of the work. That they're already doing really authentic, awesome practice, just maybe with a little more intentionality. Here's how you can support me better in the classroom, for example, just deeper further communication. And something that I brought up in the article is is the communication piece so that we're not just reaching out to families when there's an issue, when there's like some sort of deficit or when there's some sort of problem, but that we are constantly breaking down any kind of barrier between us so that it's constantly feeling like a two-way street of communication and partnership.
0: Right, right. Yeah, you shared a great resource in the article um, that sort of outlined almost a calendar of of ways to to engage with parents and and keep positive communication going back and forth. Um, So that was really helpful. So in the framework that you developed and that you talked about in your article, one of the principles really stood out to me. um, That was the need for intergenerational family involvement. Now, why is that key?
1: Oh, my goodness. Intergenerational family involvement is so critical to the way that we grow language and literacy because we learn from our ancestors and elders. Like nothing is brand new. And every single family has someone in their fabric in the texture of their lives that contributed to their language and literacy development that is older than them, who is older than them. I like to joke that my fourth kid is raising herself. She is the most literate and and conversational among us because we've actually ignored her, because she's learning everything from her siblings. But that is true for all cultures and all and all backgrounds and all of our students, whether or not they grew up in intergenerational homes. And over and over again, when I was interviewing folks for the 14 schools that we piloted the family literacy program for in the city of Chicago, um, they school leaders talked about the need to have intergenerational events so that grandmas and cousins and um, abuelas and tias and all kinds of family members could experience language and literacy joyfully together and recognize that they do that all the time already in their homes so much of what we do we learn from the people around us and i talk a little bit about this too and i talk about this in my book um the need for community maps instead of the traditional family tree which can feel alienating if 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 families are supposed to look a certain way and we're supposed to fill in a graphic organizer that has the traditional nuclear family, well, then that might not show the impact of an uncle who raised me. That might not show the impact of a cousin who, who was the prime storyteller in my life. And so to be more inclusive, those kinds of events, those kinds of um, just kind of communication that that is valid literacy and valuable literacy um, is like critical.
0: Right. So, you know, it's the start of a new school year. What's one thing educators can do, you know, something they might not think of traditionally uh, to connect with caregivers?
1: I want to say, develop a develop a playlist of music that families listen to in their homes and bring it alive in the classroom. I want to say, build a family recipe book, uh, a traditional, you know, what do you make in your home? Family recipe book to to bring your community together. I want to say, ask what caregivers do that they can provide expertise in and schedule bringing them in to the classroom so that everybody contribute to the fabric of, can contribute to the fabric of the curriculum. That was three things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can do one a month. I appreciate it. All right. Last question. Uh, since you're a literacy coach, I have to ask, what book are you reading right now?
1: Oh my goodness. I just finished um, a book by Naima Coaster called um, What's Mine is Yours about Um, gentrification and school integration. She's a Brooklyn-based writer. And then I was so obsessed with that book that I went and found her first book, which is called Halsey Street. Um, And I have loved to see her changes as a writer because her first book felt more like a first book. And I read it when I lived on Halsey Street. Yeah, I had an apartment on Halsey Street. So yeah, Naima Coaster. she's awesome. All right, I'm
0: gonna have to add that to my list. (laughs) Well, that's all the time we have. Um, I want to thank our guest, Naval Karuni, for sharing her time and insight, and thanks to everyone listening in. We appreciate all the work you do for schools and students, especially in this challenging time. To read Naval's article, visit org/el. Thanks, Naval.
1: Thank you for having me.